0: to be joined on Football CFB today by Dean Hammond, a player who played at Brighton and Hove Albion, played at Southampton, also played with Teddy Sheringham of all people at Colchester. Leicester City is an interesting one that we'll come to in the show as well because he was there during a period of the club that was successful and led on to their Premier League title victory. First of all, Dean, how are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all and the first thing I want to ask you is what you're up to now because in recent years you've been the loans manager at Leicester and there was even a football comeback at non-league level thrown in there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it was the shortest comeback um, in history, I must admit. Yeah, I, had, um, I had an itchy feet for a bit, I'm, I'm still fit, I love my fitness so um, the body was feeling good but yeah, I went to help a friend out as manager, the team was top of the league, um, but yeah, I came back, trained them for three or four weeks and then COVID hit. So season got cancelled. So comeback got cancelled and uh, haven't gone back since. So yeah, I'm, uh, I think I'll leave that one in the past now.
0: <laughs> and in terms of um, yourself, you, you're known by many people for, for playing at Brighton. You had two spells with the club. But the first question I've got for you is when was the first time you thought you could make it as a professional footballer?
1: Oh, great question. Um Yeah, really good question. I'm not too sure if I'm honest. Um, It took a lot of adapting when you go into full time football. So, from leaving school and going into full time football, YTS, um, to training with first team players, reserve players, it's very, very different. So, I think you go into that situation very, very confident, believing in your ability. But once you play with full time pros, once you train with men and play with men, it's a bit of an eye opener, it's a bit of an awakening for you. So, I would think i always was always believed and was always confident in my ability, but um, it took a while It took a while to really believe um, that I could have a, a full flourishing career in professional football, um probably until I made my debut um I made my debut at seventeen and then I thought, Do you know what I possibly have got a chance here it's going to take a lot of hard work um but yeah when i when I experienced first team football and what it actually meant and um, the buzz I got from it, it was something I definitely wanted to do, something I love doing, um, but probably there, yeah, that was the first time when I thought, you know, I've got, I've got half a chance here.
0: And in terms of um, Brighton, I mean, we all know Brighton now is, is a Premier League club. They've got a, a fancy stadium. Things are, are on the up for the club, but when you played at Brighton, uh, it wasn't the club that we know now, especially in terms of infrastructure.
1: No, very, very different. Um, when I was there, you know, we didn't even have our own stadium. We didn't have a training ground. I think the only asset the clubs had was the players. Um so yeah, very, very different. We trained at a, a university. Um we sometimes couldn't even get a pitch. We'd just have to go running or train indoors. Um the Withdean Stadium, which was put up and taken down every every season. I think the seats were actually used um for the for the golf, the open, um when the season wasn't going on. So very, very different and uh, but really, really enjoyed it, loved it. It was a down to earth atmosphere. It was players that were hungry that wanted to achieve um, but yeah I mean the club now with the stadium they've got the training facility they've got playing in the Premier League it's fantastic for the area and it's it's always been a brilliant football club that's been well supported um, and it's just great to see the way they're playing now It'll be exciting football um, but yeah very different from from when I was there in my first spell I went back for a second spell and I got to experience the stadium which was which was a joy um, and I've been to the training ground a few times um, to see people and, and my son trains there a bit so um, yeah it's a, a fantastic football club.
0: In terms of your first spell at Brighton some, some really interesting characters on the managerial side Mickey Adams, Peter Taylor, Steve Koppel, Mark McGee how do you reflect on working under some of those characters?
1: All very different all very very different um old school some of them some of them were very very much loved the fitness work running um and were very successful in that um one thing they all had in common was they were massive on team spirit they were massive on having a good dressing room um people that respected each other worked hard and and, and supported each other looked after each other became a bit of a family so um mickey adams you know was the manager when i became or um when i signed full-time as a yts and he was. Um, pretty tough put it that way he didn't take any falls and um, was pretty harsh on the younger boys but you learn that actually that's a good thing Um, and Steve Koppel was probably the first manager that came in and used um, football analysis so he used videos to um, show the opposition to um, report back on our games that's the first time I experienced that and that was Know, completely different to now, that was done with a video recorder and a video on a, on a Friday afternoon for, for 20 minutes, but it was something new then. Um, Peter Taylor, obviously, the experience of being England manager um, was very much on, he loved footballers, he loved technical players, he wanted to play in a certain way and done, done a really good job um, at uh, Brighton. And, and Mark McGee was one that was um, very much like being involved with the players You know, I wanted to have a laugh um, But a good manager, you know We were successful at Brighton Got us promoted um, But yeah, enjoyed working under all them They taught me many, many different things And they were very different But um, similar in, in certain ways
0: One of the players I want to ask you about um, In particular, someone that will be known to the wider audience Bobby Zamora What was he like? Because when you look at his stats From, from that first spell at Brighton He was, he was on fire
1: yeah, I mean, a great player. When he, when he first came in, I think I was... It was my first year at YTS, I think, and he came in on loan from Bristol Rovers and he scored... I think he scored seven goals in seven games, something like that, that obviously then they went and spent a lot of money on him. Great finisher, really nice guy. Um, always destined to go further in the game because he was quick. Um, really good finisher. Technically very, very good. Very loud personality. You know, very, very confident. Um, but no, a nice guy. He was good with the with the younger younger boys, even though we're a, a similar age, um, but they had a brilliant career and, and set the time for the club having successful seasons with a few promotions. So a brilliant signer for the football club and they earned a, a pretty penny out of him when they, when they sold him. So, you know, I enjoyed playing with Bobby. Even though I didn't play with him that much, I enjoyed training with him.
0: And in terms of your spell at Brighton, some people probably forget this, you had a couple of loan spells. Um, as you were coming through Oldershaw and Leighton Orient, What's it like as a player to, to, to go on loan and, and go into a different changing room, especially at a young age?
1: It's really, really tough. Really tough. But it's something that's so beneficial. You, you don't. When you're a younger boy, if you really want to make it in the pro game, you've got to be playing first team football as soon as you possibly can. It gives you that experience. It gives you that knowledge. It gives you that know-how. But I'm not going to lie to you. Going into a new dressing room at shot at Leighton Orient was, was difficult. I was a shy boy when I was younger. I was very, very confident on the football pitch. Very, very shy off the football pitch. Didn't have that self-belief that, you know, you would probably thought I had because I played with a lot of belief and a lot of aggression on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I was very quiet, which some people didn't like. Some people thought, you know, potentially that could be rude, but I was just shy, you know. Um, didn't really want to speak to anyone because you're a younger lad and you look up to older players Um, but brilliant love the experiences Um, Played with some really really good players some really good professionals that taught me a lot of traits and values that I took on in in my career Um, so love the loan spells and I think it's such a such a brilliant thing for young boys to go out on loan to to experience that before they can go back to their parent club and have a good career.
0: Everyone has ups and downs at a football club, but for you, I want to get your insight into when you take on the number eleven jersey. Was 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 that a big <laughs> moment for you? Because number eleven, I suppose, suggests that you're going to be on the team more often than not.
1: It does, but I don't know. I think I don't know if a number eleven represents my sort of playing style. Um, but it was nice to get a, a lower shot. I know exactly what you mean. It kind of demonstrates that you're, you know, one of the. Um, important players of the squad. It demonstrates that you're probably going to play most week. It demonstrates that the manager has high hopes for you and and good thoughts for you. So, no, it was good. It was was one thing that I always wanted to play for that football club. I I had ups and downs at Brighton coming through. Um, I started well in the youth team, made my debut young, then had spells out and spells on loan. Then it was a three-month contract situation where I got offered of a year, got taken away, and it got given three months to prove myself. So to actually come back and, and be playing regularly in the first team, wearing a number eleven shirt uh, for Brighton was uh, a proud moment. And um, once I had that, I didn't really look back from there. I felt I felt as though I was a professional then. I felt as though I was a a, a decent player at that level, and I just wanted to progress from from there
0: on. Talking of proud moments, getting the captain's armband, I imagine. Um, is something that is a proud moment for any player. Did you feel that you were a natural leader?
1: Do you know what? I felt as though I was a natural leader on the pitch. I, I feel as though I led by example. I knew how important it was. I loved the responsibility of wearing the armband. I think it made me a better player um, when I was captain of a, of a club. But as I previously said, I wasn't allowed this off the pitch. I wasn't There wasn't going to be massive speeches from me in team meetings or in the dressing room. But I would lead by example in training. I would set the tone um, I would, and I would make sure that I was at my best um, during the game, before the game, preparing for the game, very professional. So, you know, you get different types of captains. So I definitely led on the pitch and took the responsibility of being captain on the pitch. Um, but, yeah, there was no fit to uh, necessarily motivate the group. But love being captain. And I always felt wearing the armbands gave me something extra. Um, and I loved every, every every time I was captain for whatever club I was.
0: And in terms of that first spell um, at Brighton, you joined the club as a very young a young kid at the age of around 11 years old. You're there for, for many years. What are the highlights of that first spell? Because you talked about promotions earlier on. I mean, that must just just be some of the best memories in football.
1: Yes, I mean, promotions are brilliant and you just get to enjoy it with, with your teammates, which is a massive thing. And um, you achieve something which is huge as well and you can look back on it. You know, the early part of my career with the promotions, I wouldn't say I was a big part player of it. So that was difficult to take. I didn't really appreciate as much as I possibly could because I didn't play as much. But, you know, the highlights of probably the first spell was being made captain at such, such a young age. Um, um, you know, a manager putting a belief in me was, was fantastic. And the year we stayed up in the championship, when we got promoted under Mark McGee, and then the following year we stayed up in the championship, that was a huge achievement because we had no budget at the football club. We didn't have a stadium. We didn't have a training ground. We were competing against teams like West Ham, uh, Walls, some some big clubs in that division. And to be able to stay up on the last day of the season was a feeling that I will always remember. Um, The WIF team wasn't the biggest stadium, but the fans coming up on the pitch and celebrating and, feeling that as though that was an achievement was probably my highlight of the club at that, at that spell.
0: And in terms of the first spell, ultimately, you've been on record the same before. The way you, you, you left and, and the situation, the way it was handled from the club's point of view, wasn't something that you were particularly happy with at the time. Ultimately, why Colchester is, is your next move?
1: Really good question. Um, I had a few options, to be honest. I was actually going to Sheffield United under Brian Robson um, and <laughs> he, he got the sack, so it didn't happen. Um, so Colchester came in. Um, I went and met the manager. I went and met the chairman. I was very impressed with what they were trying to do in terms of with the new stadium. Um, I knew the type of player was at the club. Uh, it was championship football, so it was a step up, So which is what I wanted to get back into because I'd love playing in the championship. Um, and it just seemed to work. It was in um, Essex. Uh, my sister had just moved up to that way, so I had family close. It just kind of seemed to fit. I met Guy Williams, who was a, was a good manager, a really good coach. Um, I'd heard good things about the club from uh, um, Adam Virgo, who was there at the time, who I'd played with at Brighton. Um, so the club was sold to me, and the vision was sold to me. Now, it didn't quite work out as it was sold to me, but. It was a step forward in my career and you know we all know the story of me leaving Brighton and how that happens and it was time for me to leave the club unfortunately and I think it worked for both, Brighton needed the money and I wanted to further my career so it was a good deal for both and culture just seemed to be the right thing to do at the right time.
0: I've got to ask you about one man in particular, I mentioned him in the intro, I ask every single person that's played with him, Teddy Sheringham, I know he was he was towards the end of his career even you played with him but... What was he like? Because from a fan watching football, he just always seemed to have space, even though he, he wasn't the quickest.
1: He was brilliant, really, really good. His awareness of what you've just said was, was fantastic. And in training, he was still the Teddy set sharing him of old. You know, you'd play small-sided games, you'd do finishing drills, you'd do keep ball drills, he'd be the best player in training, completely still the best for training. His touch was fantastic, his awareness was good. He wanted to still train and play. Just unfortunately at 40, I think, 40, 41 he was. Um, he just couldn't get around a, a football pitch anymore, 11 aside. So, But he was brilliant for me. As a young player coming in, you know, I could speak to him. He'd give me advice. The advice he'd give me was very, very useful. Um, you know, the one thing I learned, he was in fantastic shape. You know, for someone of his age in football that seems old at 41, I mean, his, his body physique and his body fat was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, he was still working the gym and he was just an example to us players that at that age, he still was committed to his his trade. So, love playing with him. Um, His finishing was a joke. Absolutely unbelievable. And he set the standard in that. And if you didn't keep to his standing and finishing, he wouldn't wouldn't want you joining in and he'd tell you that. So, you had to work even harder. Um, But I love being on his team. And if he dug you out, no problem because it just made me train harder. So, yeah, brilliant experience. I had four or five months with Teddy Um, loved it as well.
0: Ultimately at Colchester you you suffered a relegation from the highs of promotion what's it like coping with relegation as a player?
1: Yeah it's difficult it is difficult because you feel as though you've let yourself down you've let the club down and you've let the fans down so it's it's a real negative thing and you know at Colchester we just fell short we actually that year played some really really good football Um, we just weren't We would score a lot of goals. We just couldn't keep it out of the back, unfortunately. And we were playing against, again, in a division that's very competitive against the big teams. But, you know, we we were it was was enjoyable to play in that team in terms of how we played, not the results we got. Um, But it's really hard because, you know, when you get relegated, budgets get cut. People tend to generally lose their job, which is unfortunate. Um, And it's taken Colchester so long to get to that level. Um, and they've not been back since. It's 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 quite difficult, um, and you take it hard as a player because it's ultimately it's down to you. It's your responsibility along with the manager, the coaches, um, and it's something not very very nice. And it happened a couple of times to me in my career, um, and it's something that you don't want to happen. So, if anything, it, it's a good learning curve. It gives you experience to think. I don't want this to happen again. So I'm going to work hard, even harder. I'm going to improve even more. Um, but, yeah, not not a nice feeling to um, especially see the, the the faces of the fans when you do get relegated. That's something that not haunts you, but stays with you.
0: Sometimes when clubs get relegated, players want to down tools and move on. But but you were the opposite in the sense that you commit to Colchester, you've got a new manager and Paul Lambert, and, and you end up being the player of the year and and, and having a really positive season on on, on your part how proud are you when you look back at that season in particular when let's be honest with you the easy option for players when they go down is to maybe try and seek a move elsewhere it
1: is you're right and I I felt obliged to stay at Colchester because they'd given me an opportunity in in in, uh, the championship again they'd bought me they'd invested money in me so I felt as though it was my right to stay to try and get the club back to the championship and Um, you know that season actually I didn't start off in the actually I started the first game and then got left out for a few games and and Paul Lambert came in and he was a breath of of fresh air Paul Um, loved playing under him he he was the first manager that really made me really really believe in myself you know he backed me he made me feel as I was a good player Um, his man management skills were fantastic um, I love playing him. He really generated, he, he, he got the team going again. Um, we got confidence. You know, we didn't finish the highest. I think we finished 10th in League One, something like that. Um, but the way he got his play, play and the way he's got to believe and the way he got the team's spirit back was fantastic. And, you know, lucky enough, I had a good season, scored a few goals, um, got player of the season, which is always nice when you get voted by by your, by your fellow players and the fans. So, a really successful season. I've just had my first child as well. So, brilliant memories for me. But, I love playing under Paul Lambert. He was he was good, really, really good.
0: And in terms of Lambert, um, obviously he's well known up here in Scotland, having played with Celtic, the national team, and and of course being being a Champions League winner as well. Would he ever join in in training?
1: <laughs> he would, yeah. <laughs> and to, to be fair to him, he could still play. He, he was brilliant. He would always only, join, but he'd only join in on a Friday. So Friday we'd have like eight aside. I think it would be young v old. He would join in and. Uh, he would take it very seriously, put it that way. And if uh, he was very rarely on the losing team. Um, he'd just be, he, he, you know, he'd track your bottoms, uh, boots on, and he'd join in. He'd join in the keep ball, the circle before, and then he'd play a game. Um, and yeah, he won more times than, it, than um, he lost. And uh, he was, uh, if you were on his team, um, you knew about it I think I fluttered between the young and the old I was at that age so <laughs> sometimes I played against him sometimes I played with him and I prefer playing with him uh, but no what a player I mean his passing and his awareness and you know he couldn't move anymore but um, one two touch um, positional sense awareness was a bit like Teddy was fantastic and you can see when you play with top top class players they've just always got that extra second on the ball whether they've got pace or not and he um, still had that. Whether or not that was because none of the players wanted to get near him and tackle him, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, no, he was a good player and um, great bloke. Really enjoyed playing under Paul. There
0: was lots of speculation um, following that season with Colchester, linking you with Southampton. Did a couple of bids rejected. But am I right in saying you played in that game, the, the game that I always remember, Lambert's Colchester, when you beat Norwich 7 1, and then the next week he goes and becomes a Norwich manager? It
1: was a strange one, to be honest, Callum. It was like um, we, uh, yeah, we played Norwich, which is a tough game. You know, they just come down from the, the championship, I believe. Away game, there was high hopes for them. They'd spent a bit of money. Um, and we'd not had a great preseason, if I'm honest. Um, and we went to Carol thinking, you know, can we get a draw or something like that? And to win 7-1 uh, on the opening day of the season was, was unbelievable. It was just one of those games. Every time we attacked, we scored. We kept a shape that we'd worked on in pre-season and it just went, it went right for us. And I think Paul Lambert got offered the job after the game. I think he knew the chief executive at Norwich. I think they had some connections in, at Celtic. Um, I was aware of Southampton's interest before the game um, and after the game. Um, Paul actually, uh, the day I signed for Southampton, actually uh, asked me to sign for Norwich. So I had the choice. He wanted to take me to Norwich with him. Um, but I'd already kind of given my word to Southampton and the clubs had agreed a fee and it was quite funny. I didn't know about um, Paul going to Norwich until it was done. Um, we was at training and I knew I was going to Southampton and all the camera crews are there and the media were there and I'm thinking, right, okay, everyone's going to find out I'm going to Southampton, um, this is it, everyone's going to find out, nothing to do with me. It was all about <laughs> Paul Lambert going to Norwich, so <laughs> a bit arrogant on my part, but yeah, it was nothing to do with me. My move to Southampton went all under the radar, nice and quiet. Paul Abbott was going to, uh, to Norwich but yeah it was a, an interesting game that and um, I think Brian Gunn was the manager at the time and I, th- I remember a couple of the fans running on the pitch and throwing their season tickets at them but then Norwich ended up getting uh, promoted under Paul so yeah an interesting day.
0: And in terms of, um, you mentioned the Southampton interest, I always get interested when, when, when there's lots of speculation, you see it now more so than ever with social media how do you handle that as a player when, when there's bids coming in they've been rejected? Is it, is it hard to remain 100% focused? And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way where you stop trying, but your head must be clouded.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. You're not distracted, but your mind, you do think about it. You do think, you know, especially if it's a club that you really want to move to, where you feel as like though you can progress your career. Um, I was aware of Southampton's interest pretty early on in pre-season, actually. Um, uh, Alan Pardew was manager Dean Wilkins was assistant manager and I'd worked with Dean at Brighton actually he was my youth team coach and my manager at Brighton uh, he was actually made me captain at Brighton so I was aware of the interest I was aware that they really wanted me Colchester were holding out wouldn't agree on a fee um, they actually, Colchester actually offered me a new contract so I was negotiating that because I didn't think I was going to be able to leave um, and then out of nowhere um, a fee got agreed and um, I could I could make the move I could go and talk to Southampton but it does it is a distraction um, because it's constantly on your mind because it's something that you really want to happen and you're aware that you know one tackle, um, one injury can stop that move. So it doesn't stop you trying any harder because you're a professional, um, but you are a little bit, um, what's the word? Um, just to say you are a little bit distracted because it's so important, especially if you can move to a bigger club.
0: You mentioned Alan Pardew. What's he like as a character? Because he's, he's a sort of Marmite figure with, with fans in football. I liked
1: him. I liked Alan as a manager. Um, but he definitely lets you know he's the manager. He definitely lets you know he's in charge. Um, he is a manager that... Um, thinks highly of himself. He's very, very confident. Not in an arrogant way, but he's confident in what he does and though I'm a good manager. But I think that rubs off as players and he's one a little bit, not old school, but he would let you know if he's not happy. Um, But yeah, I enjoy playing under Alan and Alan's a better coach than I think people give him credit for. His 11 v 11, his pattern of play is really, really good in terms of the messages he give you are really, really clear. So when you go on the football pitch, you know exactly what he wants from you, and know exactly how you want to play. Um, but yeah, he's a he's a manager that you know is in charge, and um, it can uh, it can yeah it gets mixed reviews. Put it that way, but um, I quite enjoyed my time with him. I didn't. You know what? When I was playing with him, I didn't get that much praise off him, but he made me captain. And when I did get some praise off him, it meant a lot more because it wasn't a regular thing. Um, and I think I've heard interviews after we left and different things about how much he um, he did kind of rate me and thought of me. So that was nice, but I wasn't aware of it at the time.
0: <laughs> One of the games I want to ask you about is the Football League Trophy final of the Johnson's Paint Trophy, as people maybe know it as what was it like getting into that game against Carlisle as captain at Wembley in front of over 70,000 people? Because I always imagine as a young kid growing up, whether it's the FA Cup final, the Johnsons final, whatever it may be, walking out at Wembley, skipping your team, must be a dream come true.
1: Absolute dream. Absolute dream. I mean, we worked really hard to try and win that competition. It was actually a target at the beginning of the season to, to try and win it, to give us some momentum. Um, and we we done it, you know, a few close shades with penalty shootouts to get there. Yeah, but leading a team out um, at Wembley, whether, like you say, it's the FA Cup Final, Champions League, Paints Trophy, whatever it is, the playoff is was a pro moment. And I must admit, I didn't get nervous too many times in my career, but that was one time that I did feel the jitters a little bit. Um, driving up to the stadium, in the bus with the other players, seeing a sea of red and white. I mean, it was, was 70,000 there. There must have been over 50,000 Southampton supporters. So I think once we saw that, and um, we knew how important it was for the club. Um, there was only going to be one winner on a day. But to captain the side, walk the team out, play at Wembley, win, lift the trophy, walk up them stairs um, and lift the trophy in front of all them fans and how passionate them fans were from going into administration, being on minus 10 points that season. You really felt what it meant to the club. And I'm very honoured and very privileged to be that person. To um, Alongside Calvin Davis at the time, we lifted it together because I was team captain and he was club captain. Um, was uh, one of the best moments in my career so loved every minute one thing I will say I didn't have the best game I must (laughs) admit I hardly touched the ball to be honest it was one of those where we won 4-1 but yeah I just kind of didn't. I don't know why I don't know what it was I didn't touch the ball many times so I loved the result didn't really enjoy the performance but no brilliant day
0: One of the players people sometimes forget was at Southampton at that time on loan, Mikel Antonio. He's a player who, in the Premier League, always seems to come up with a goal and and trouble some of the biggest sides in the league. He seems to always love playing against Chelsea. What what was he like at that stage? Because he was quite raw when he was younger.
1: Yeah, very, very raw. But you could see he had that raw talent. of, you know, He's a a fantastic player and he's done a, a brilliant career. But he had that real pace and power but didn't quite understand the game. He, you know, he was still playing as though he's a non-league player sort of thing. He was a young player, so every time he got the ball, he tried to take everyone on. Every time he got the ball, he tried to score. Um, but you don't want to knock that out of players. Because he was raw, that's quite special. Uh, but really nice guy, um, uh, Michael was. Um, had a One thing, one people run he had a, one of the longest throws I'd ever seen as well. You know, he could shut the ball in the box and. We, we quite like that when we had Ricky Lambert up front. But, uh, no, good guy. Um, enjoyed his time at Southampton. He was on loan. I think we tried to sign him permanently, but he went back to Reading and played. Um, but, you know, he had pace and power, and he was, he was rapid, really, really strong when he was running with the ball. Could frustrate the hell out of you, I'm not going to lie, when you wanted to just try and keep it simple, and he's running from his own half trying to score a goal. But uh, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, but a good player, and he's had a brilliant career.
0: The next question I'm going to ask, you you know it's coming, you've been asked a, a, probably a thousand times, but I think it's an important question because when players score against their former club, normally <laughs> it's uh, apologies and nobody knows where to look. But you scored against Brighton and <laughs> you run along the touchline, cupping your hands to you. So although <laughs> you maybe regret that later at the time, you, you certainly seem to enjoy it. Yeah, it wasn't one of my
1: proudest moments, I must admit. Um, but yeah, at the time, it was one of those. What it was, it was probably just frustration. Um, I must admit, I celebrated the goal like I'd scored a 30 yard wonder that coming off the crossbar, but it barely touched my head, if I must admit. I've had a header. We'd, we'd won the paint trophy two days before. And we'd- Let's be honest, we'd had a good night out afterwards and we'd enjoyed a few drinks. So I'd probably still hung over, if I'm honest, and <laughs> felt a little bit too little bit too confident. Um, and I'd had a bit of stick off the fans for leaving, for being a local lad, and uh, Brighton had gone 1-0 up. So I was getting a bit of abuse from the fans, and it's just... I don't know what happened. It wasn't a conscious thing. I didn't think I was going to do it before the game. It just... It just happened. And as soon as I'd done it, I'd regretted it. And I got a few... A few stern words off ex-Brighton players after the game that I knew, I knew well. Just uh, you know, what was that all about? And have a little bit more respect. So, but it happens in football, you know. It's an emotional game, and it was, it was one of those things. I didn't mean anything by it, and when I returned to the club, I apologised for for my actions. But a bit of fun that probably went a bit too far. But you can smile about it now. But it was, um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting moment.
0: I've got to to talk to you about that Southampton team because Nigel Atkins eventually comes in and the club wins back-to-back promotions to get back to the Premier League. What was it about that group that was so special? Because when you look through that, that team yourself, you had Ricky Lambert, Adam Lalana, Jose Fonte, and others who were mainstays in League One, Championship, and then Premier League.
1: Uh, one, I would say, is good players. We, we superb players. Um, Really good coaching on the training ground. But one thing we were, we were hungry. We were hungry for success. We, as a team, when we found our formula and we found a pattern and a way of playing, um, we, we just found that momentum. And we scored a lot, a lot of goals. And we were very, very strong at home. Our home form was superb. Um, and once we found that rhythm, with the players we had and the understanding we had and the way we worked on the training ground, we were fitter than everyone. We were technically better than everyone. We had a system that really worked for us. Um, we had brilliant home support. You know, the fans have had to play a massive part in it. You know, playing in front of Savannah, uh, the uh, Samaras, in front of 30-plus thousand people in League One, and I'll spur you on um, and give you that momentum and give you that extra inspiration. So um, we just had really, really good players that worked hard every day. You know, Adam Nalana, one of the best players i played with, technically unbelievable but he worked so hard in training every day. Morgan Snydlin, another player, unbelievable. Jose Fonte, Ricky Lambert, Lee Barner, Jason Punch. You know, all these players have gone on to have brilliant careers internationally and in the Premier League, and they were playing in the League One. So once we got it right, there was no stopping us. And um, The lesser players, maybe like myself, uh, were hanging on a bit and, and trying to keep up with the boys that uh, had that special talent, but I know it improved me as a player and I, I loved every minute of Southampton. It was a brilliant journey.
0: I want to ask you a, a wee bit more about, about Ricky Lambert because he's a player who's scored goals everywhere he went. I, I'm very glad that he got his England caps in the end because it was really a, a fairy tale story. I feel, though, even though he achieved that, there's still some people that see him as just a goal scorer when, when I personally felt he had much more to his game.
1: Loads more to his game. Brilliant footballer. bit like... Um, Teddy Sheringham. Now, that's a big, you know, comparison because Teddy Sheringham was such a special player. But Ricky was a special player. He was, he was a player that could score goals, obviously, but he could score goals with his head, penalties, free kicks, long range, short range. But his passing was very, very clever. You know, if you look at his statistics, he's probably got a lot of assists. He would drop in the hole at the number 10. He would, he would slip a midfield runner in. Um, he would hold the ball up so well you know you could you could get up the pitch we just putting into his chest putting it into his body he would hold the player bring other players in um, an excellent player wasn't the best trainer in the world I'm not going to match out. I wouldn't I wouldn't want him on my team in training that much or with keep ball and stuff like that because I don't think he was that interested but match days absolutely brilliant and a winner a real winner and brilliant in the dressing room as well really really good um, a confident guy um, but yeah really really enjoyed playing with Ricky and I agree with you had much more to his game than just goal scoring
0: And in terms of um, another one Morgan Schneiderlin now at Southampton I thought he was absolutely out of this world um, as he progressed through League 1 to the Premier League he got his move to Manchester United how surprised are you with his career since Manchester United that it's He's still been a good career, don't get me wrong. He's played for some big clubs, but it's maybe not been at that level that people expected, having watched them at Southampton.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Morgan's one of the best. Again, such a talented player. He could do everything as a midfield player. Um, and he had such a good career at Southampton. When he went to Manchester United, I thought he was going to really, really flourish, you know, playing at a big club. But Morgan's one of those players that he needs to be loved and he needs to be playing every week to really get that rhythm, to really get that understanding, to really have that confidence in himself knowing he's going to play. He needs to be He needs to be loved and he was loved at Southampton because he proved that he was a good player. The fans loved him, the manager loved him, um, the players loved him um, and maybe he just didn't get that in Manchester United. He was in and out of the team, had different managers so couldn't get a rhythm going, picked up a few injuries here and there and again it didn't quite work out for him at Everton which again I'm surprised because defensive is a midfield play. He has everything you want. He's good on the ball. He reads the game well. He uh, wins the ball back for his team. He makes interceptions. He's quick over the ground. Probably people don't realise that. Um, but, yeah, he's, look, he's had a fantastic career. And like you say, he played for some big clubs. But could he have done a little bit more? I think so. Um, but from being a League One player at Southampton to playing for France and playing for Manchester United, Southampton, Everton, and now I think he's playing again in France... Um, I don't think he'd look back with too many
0: regrets. I'm going to make an assumption here, and, and, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. I really liked Nigel Atkins as a manager. He seemed like a really nice guy, but ultimately in the end, he, I don't know what it is, he just seemed a bit too nice as a manager. Maybe that's <laughs> wrong, but he just seemed like such a lovely guy. and. And obviously, in the end, he eventually moves on and gets replaced, which upset a lot of people at the time. Is that a correct assumption or, or maybe was there more to him than, than we saw on the camera?
1: Definitely more to him than you saw on the camera. I wouldn't say he was too nice as a manager. Uh, he was very positive. Um, saw the positives in, in many, many things and wanted to help them improve you as a team and as, and as a player, and as an individual. He took an interest in you as a person as well as a player, which was good. Um, but no, I wouldn't say he was too nice. There was a lot more to Nigel. He was an intelligent guy. He was a deep thinker. That's what it was. He thought about the game a lot. He thought about life a lot. He was always looking to improve himself as a person. Um, and he was very much like he came across in the media and on the camera. Um, but he had that nasty streak to him if he needed to. you know, He could uh, he could let players know um, uh, with no doubt um, sort of thing. And Nigel was okay at making big decisions. So maybe he wasn't a baller and a screamer, but if he needed to make a big decision about a player, about a transfer, about a decision at the club, he would do it. But no, he's um, an intelligent guy, Nigel, and I am a lot and enjoy playing under him. Um, And, you know, I find it very interesting that he's out of work at the moment because at most clubs, maybe not Sheffield United, but apart from every other club he's been at, he's always always been successful. So a nice guy, Nigel.
0: Now, as I say, I don't mean that in a derogatory manner to him because he's he's a good manager. And and to to, to back up how highly I rate him, I want to reference the fact that I feel he was hard done by Southampton, not just the fact he left the club, but I feel that a lot of people said or Pochettino came in and implemented this style. But personally, I thought Southampton played some really good stuff under Nigel Atkins.
1: Yeah, the style we had was, you know, we were playing that style in League One. To take it from League One to the Championship to the Premier League and still do it at the highest level against the best players in the world was credit to him and you know Southampton did have a style because that was the reason why he was brought in and Alan Pardew was sacked because basically the club wanted a different direction and a different style um, to the way the team played so I look I look at, I think he was harshly treated by maybe the um, the manager but the, by the club but that's you know that's football that happens all the time um, Pochettino came in you know he wasn't that well known at the time but he done a fantastic job at the club so You can look at it both ways. Was it harsh decision at the time? Potentially. But Pochettino, you know, he he probably took the club to the next level. So in the end, it was a good decision by the club. But Nigel had implemented that style and he was looking to bring the younger players. You've got to remember, he was very brave when we came into the Premier League. And didn't work out for me, but I'd been at the club as captain for three years, been very successful. And he left me out, took the captaincy away from me and bought James Wall Prowse in. So, you know, he made some, he made some big decisions. He bought Luke Shaw in, Callum Chambers, Oxlade-Chamberlain. So he made the club a lot of money as well by producing them players and bringing them into the first team fold. So he's got to take a lot of credit. Um, but, you know, the club's been on an upward spiral for a long, long time. So a lot of people have done well at that club. And it's just, I will put it down to, it's just football. Just football,
0: and in terms of of yourself, you get to the Premier League. You mentioned the captaincy um, opportunities to play week in week out become a bit more limited. A return to Brighton. Be honest, did you ever foresee a return after the celebration?
1: <laughs> no, I didn't actually, um, and probably why I did do the celebration because I never thought I'd be going back. Um, but, yeah, look, my, my, my journey at Southampton had come to an end. Um, I'd had some honest conversations with the club and the manager, um, and I was at an age where I really wanted to continue playing football. I wasn't going to get my chance in the Premier League, which was unfortunate because I think that would have completed the journey. Um, being part of the team that had gone from minus point and minus 10 in League One to playing in the Premier League as captain would have been a dream come true. But as soon as I knew of Brighton's interest, as soon as I knew the situation at Southampton, I wanted to make the move back. Was I a little bit anxious? Yes, probably, with the reception I might have got from the club. Um, but I met Gus Boyer, I spoke to Brighton, I spoke to my agent, and, and they wanted me to come back to the club. So, a loan deal really, really worked. I got a chance to play at the stadium that I'd, I'd seen from 15 years old, so I really wanted to take that opportunity I knew a lot of the players still at the club and I'd heard big things about Gus's team and I'd played against Gus's team. So um, it was an exciting time to go back. And that year um, playing at Brighton when we got to the playoffs was one of the best years of my career. I loved every minute of that. Really, really did. We had a tight squad of really good players. They brought a lot of Spanish players in were good quality players and and Gus is an exceptional coach, really good manager as well. So, um, so happy I did go back.
0: And in terms of those playoffs, it's against Crystal Palace and, and you've got a young Wilfred Zaha who's really just ripping it up. What was that like?
1: Do you know what? We went into that game so confident, that, that playoff so confident. We'd beaten Palace, I think, a couple of months, uh, months earlier, quite convincingly. We drew them in there with the playoffs. It's a local derby, um, so it's a big, big game. We had the first... First game of the playoffs where we drew nil-nil. Uh, well, I, I probably should have scored myself with a header, but you know we'd, we got a, a point, I suppose, or a, a no goals in the first, first leg. So we were very confident going into the home form. We'd won, I think, seven in a row at home. So we were really, really confident going into that game. But yeah, the difference was Wilfred Sahar turned up for, for 10 minutes, scored two goals and it was, it was game over. But, you know, an exceptional player. He is direct, he's quick, he's strong. He's confident, he's tricky um, and really, really difficult to play against. So, you know, that was probably one of my biggest disappointments in my career, not to get, to, not to get promoted with Brighton, but not to go to Brighton at Wembley in a playoff final would have been special. Um, and not to get that and to lose to Crystal Palace in the, in the semi-final probably hurt as much as it does as a relegation. So that was really difficult.
0: From Southampton and you're alone at Brighton, you join Leicester. What's Nigel Pearson like? Big character.
1: Brilliant. Best manager I worked under. Absolutely brilliant. He was, he's a man's man. His man management skills are second to none. Superb. He's got a presence that you, you know when people, players talk about our oh, manager's got a presence. He had that. It wasn't fear, he just had a presence. When he walked into the room, the atmosphere changed. And not in a negative way, you just knew the manager was around. And when he was watching training, the levels went up. Tactically, very, very good. His recruitment is really, really good. I'm going to say that because he signed me. Um, but yeah, he's um, no a really, really good, a really, really good manager. Really liked him. Um, and one thing he had, he had the trust of the players. So whatever he said, we trusted him, and he was really successful. And um, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, the best manager I personally worked under. i really enjoyed working under him, including his. His coaching staff, and Craig Shakespeare and Steve Walsh, who were an excellent. Them three together are a brilliant combination, and I really hope they work together again. Um, him and um, him and worked together at Watford and were doing well, and unfortunately that that came to an end. But them three together, with Steve Walsh's recruitment, uh, Nigel Pearson as manager and, and Craig Shakespeare as coach, I don't think there's many better.
0: I've got to ask you again about another experienced player. You can tell a lot of strikers here. Kevin Phillips, what was he like? Even though, again, like Teddy, he was he was getting on a wee bit in age, but what a player.
1: Yeah, a good guy. and Just the same as Teddy, you know, he couldn't probably do what he wanted to do in 11 v 11, 11, but his finishing again in training was superb. A great guy around the place, didn't come in with an ego or thinking, you know, I'm Kevin Phillips, I've done this, I've done that. Wanted to come in and, and get promoted, was brought in to help the dressing room with experience. And played some games and scored a couple of important goals goals to help us get promoted. Um, but yeah, a good, good guy and um, he was actually a good trainer. And one thing about Kev, he worked extremely hard, you know, in training. He was always the first in the gym, the gym after training, would do his runs after training if he knew he wasn't going to play at the weekend. Um, I used to do a lot of running drills with him, so he's still fit as anything. Um, so yeah, it was a, a, I played with, I'm very fortunate, I played with some class players in my career and he was one of them, but uh, no, great finisher. And he ended up getting a the job the following season as, as, as striker coach. Um, so that's how much Nigel thought of him and how much the players thought of him and how much the club thought of him.
0: And in terms of that season, you win promotion, get into the Premier League. <laughs> now, as a midfielder, you've talked about yourself in the past as doing the boring stuff, breaking up play. How do you feel when the manager brings in Esteban Cambiasso?
1: <laughs> How do you think <laughs> I
0: fall?
1: Sorry. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was one of those rumours that was circling around the dressing room and we we're all thinking, never going to happen. Never in a million years is that going to happen. But credit to the owners at the football club. They're ambitious people. Um, they obviously sold the dream to Esteban. Um, but I was very nervous. I felt as though, again, I got to the Premier League and I was I going to get my opportunity again. You know, it was my career goal to play in the, in the Premier League and I got so close at Southampton, it didn't work out. I just had that sinking feeling, right, here we go again. Another exceptional midfield player coming in. Uh, but no, I mean, what a man, what a guy. Um, Loved his football, was passionate about football. Couldn't speak a lot of English when he came in, but he could speak the football language, if that makes sense. He could yeah. get his point across. Um, brilliant vision. Again, uh, coming towards the end of career wasn't the quickest, wasn't the most mobile, but in the right place at the right time. New positional sense was brilliant. Um, and came in. And, and just that drive they have, them players, at that age, to keep going, to keep wanting to win, to keep dedicating their life to football, um, I loved it and I learned a lot of Esteban. And if I'm honest, I was dreading it at the start, but he, he taught me a lot and he, he gave me a lot of time as well, personally, to speak about football and give me advice because obviously we played in the same position and um, I had the privilege to play with him. So, you know, very, very grateful for
0: that. One of the big uh, points I've got to ask you about, one of the big games, uh, Leicester 5, Manchester United 3. What do you remember from that, Dave? Because it was, it, was, it was a bonkers game.
1: I remember thinking at two 0 down, this is going to be a long, long afternoon. You know, it was, it was, it was um, super sundown sky. I think you know there was Man United turn up with the big guns. You know, Rooney was playing, Falcao was playing, Van Persie, Di Maria who scored that outrageous chip. Um, so they had a top team out, and at two 0 down on a hot day on a Sunday, I'm thinking mm, this could be embarrassing. But we got a quick goal back, um, and then we went in at half time 2-1 i think and then they got a third goal to make it 3-1 and again i'm thinking right okay let's just keep this score down but we had something at Leicester. we had a team spirit we believed in ourselves we were an attacking team and when you've got the players like we had you know Jamie Vardy was just finding his feet in the premier league then but he scared them he scared them rotten that game with his pace and his power and and to make it 3 all, i think that 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 equalizing goal was the loudest i'd ever heard it at, at, at um Leicester the the roof came off Um, the noise when we scored Esteban scored that equalizer all of us celebrating together I think it was one of the only times when we scored the goal and we walked back to the halfway line I remember looking up at the crowd and thinking right okay this is what football is all about free all in the Premier League against Man United the noise the singing from the fans live on Sky, playing in the Premier League. I remember thinking at, I think I was 31, 32, then thinking, okay, this is the feeling I've been dreaming of all my, all my career. And to go on and win it 5-3 and to beat them in the way we did was something that, you know, it's a career highlight. I'll never forget that.
0: You mentioned Vardy scaring the, the living daylights out of Man United. He's he's doing that. I think even now to you saw what he did against Man City recently. I mean, just what was he like in training? He seems like the sort of guy that would train the way he plays.
1: <laughs> yeah, Vardy's but, but uh first of all, what a bloke? Brilliant, you know, so so good around the dressing room. Most confident person I've ever met in my life. Um, but yeah, he, he trains he trains how he plays. Aggressive in training, um, wants to win. Um, quick. His finishing is, is exceptional. I, I know some of you don't give him the credit he, he deserves, but he's, he's got a natural talent for, for and an eye for goal. Um, and yeah, you want him on your team in training. Put it that way, he, put, he doesn't mind putting a tasty challenge in in training bars. He won't hold back. So um, no, I've got on really well with Jamie. Still speak to him on occasions now. Um, sat next to him in the dressing room. So, you know, he's a, he's a top bloke and a top player. And I agree with you, he's getting better with age. And just, I mean, what a play. I, I honestly believe this, not just because he's my friend. I think he could play for any team in the world.
0: And in terms of Leicester, you yeah, that incredible escape from from relegation. You stay up and then everything changes. Nigel Pearson leaves the club, Claudio Ranieri comes in. And then, let's be honest, I mean, I don't think anyone expected Leicester to go on and win the title. What was that like for you seeing them win the title when, when you go out and loan? Was, was, was it a strange feeling? Because really, if you'd stayed there and around the club, you might not have played 10, 20, 30 games, but you would have been part of that. Is there a regret there at all?
1: Huge regret. Um, really difficult. You know, At the time, it was mentally hard to take. Um, it had a real knock-on effect on me um, because I wasn't... Like, like, you're right, I wasn't forced at the club. I wasn't suggested I need to leave. I was coming towards, I knew I was coming towards the end or the, the twilight of my career and I wanted to play games. I was a player that always wanted to play games. Um, an opportunity came up to work with Nigel again. that I'd worked with at Southampton. Um, and obviously, like yourself, I didn't realise Blessed we were going to go and win the Premier League. Um, but no, at the start of the season, on the, when Claudio came in, we were very confident. You know, the, the, the great escape the season before when we stayed out, when we were dead and buried... Um, I think we won eight out of the last 10 games, seven out of the last nine, something like that. So we knew we were a good Premier League team then. And we'd made some exceptional signings. We brought Kante in, um, who was a fantastic midfield player, which again, (laughs) just gave me even more competition in midfield. Um, I seemed to play uh, play with some exceptional players. Um, But yeah, um, what season by the club. And once they got that momentum going, once I had that belief from the season before, um, one thing I would always say Claudio did, his best man management um, choices or decisions were that he didn't change a lot. Because his natural re- instinct and natural reaction as a manager was to come in and change things because he had a different way of thinking to the players and the and the coaching staff. But the best thing he did, I think he looked at the previous season and so like won a lot of games here. I'll give them an opportunity to play the way they want to, to train the way they have been. And it just took off. And the belief he gave the players then I think that the the, the the he earned the players trust and so you know it will never happen again. What a fantastic season.
0: You you mentioned the fact that you go to Sheffield United playing under Nigel again. Overall in, in, in your career, how do you how do you feel when you when you look back at your career overall, having come through at Brighton, had ups and downs there, um Colchester with the likes of Teddy and Paul Lambert. The success at Southampton and and the success also with Leicester because although you didn't win the Premier, well you went there when they won the Premier League, playing week in, week out, you still played a massive part in them getting there with the promotion and, and staying up?
1: Very privileged with my career. I achieved way more than I ever thought I would ever do when I started out. My career goal was to try and play in the Premier League. I achieved that um and a lot of played with some exceptional players played against some of the my idols which which i love played in some of the stadiums with with full crowds week in week out um felt the feeling of promotion and relegation um and and just lived the dream of being a professional footballer and i think i one thing i would i love is that i got everything out of my career that i possibly could i pushed myself to the limits i don't think i leave I only leave probably with one regret, and that's how it finished. Um, My last season at Sheffield United was disappointing for myself. Didn't perform. um, The team didn't perform, and it was it was a real low, and um, it affected me mentally. It was a real drain on me. Um, So that's my only regret. But the the the, I don't know the twenty years, fifteen, well, eighteen years before that, um, loved every minute of it. Loved the journey. Loved the ups and downs, and such a privilege I, I'm blessed you know how many people want to want to be a professional footballer let alone you know, I've played in every division I've captained teams I've had promotion I've had relegations I've scored goals I've been sent off um, I've been booed I've been cheered um, so yeah I, I've loved every minute um, just wish it, had, it, it I wish it had ended a little bit better but you know we can't have everything
0: A few quick fire ones before you go best players you played with?
1: Best player to play with played with Adam Lallana um, Jamie Vardy would be the standout too now I know I'm missing out a lot of players there and I apologise um, but you know Jamie Vardy is just the most effective footballer that you'll play with with what the position he does and what he does and how he plays there's no one else like him um, you know the pace he has the power he has the goals he scores and Adam Lallana technically absolutely brilliant both footed does the best cross turn with his left and his right foot works one of the hardest working players that I played with um didn't just rely on his technique so them two are the standout players that I played with.
0: Toughest direct opponent?
1: Oh what a question um
0: oh I don't know you
1: know um Steven Gerrard was tough when I played against him um you know what that's a really really hard question I've never really thought of that I thought of that um Let's go with Steven Gerrard. You know, he was my idol and I loved, I, loved, I loved the way he played the game. I loved his passion for the game. He was the, you know, an all-round midfield player, world-class. Um, he was coming towards the end of his career when I played against him. So I can't imagine what he was like in his, in his, in his um, prime. Um, but yeah, difficult player. He could do everything. And, and um, what a player. And, you know, again, a career highlight to be able to play against him and, and, and be on the same pitch as him. So, you know, yeah, Steven Gerrard.
0: The next one, this is something that I always get interested in because every player knows one or two they've played with who they describe as this. Who would you say is the most underrated player you've played with? Because a lot of the time there are certain players that fans maybe don't appreciate because, like yourself, you would maybe say in your career, you're doing the dirty work of winning the ball back and playing it forward. So who would you say is the most underrated player or players?
1: There's a couple, to be honest. I've got a lot of accolades from the Southampton supporters, but not all of them. Jose Fonte was a brilliant player. Really, really good. He was a a leader. You know, I was captain of the club, but he would lead as well. Um, Dedicated to his profession. Loved what he did. Was disciplined in what he did. So, he was a brilliant player. Danny Drinkwater, another one. Exceptional player. Um had that obviously partnership with Kante and midfield and, and had a really brilliant season at Leicester and really showed his true talent set and got his move to Chelsea. Um, not he's in and out of the team now, but very, very underrated. He could do everything as a midfield player. He was he was tenacious, he was aggressive, his passing ability was good, he could score goals, even though he didn't score as many as he could have done. Um so them two I would say are probably the most underrated players that I played with because they were both Spot on every day. Training, games, dedicated to what they did um, and were an an inspiration to other players.
0: Biggest character you played with and why?
1: (laughs) Oh, Jamie Vardy would have to be up there. Absolute lunatic, Um, but in a good way. Um, Just, you know, kept you on your toes all the time. There was never quite a moment with Vardy. You always knew he was up to something. Great character, but in a good way. Really, really good way. Kept the spirits up with the players, but um, you're always on a little bit of edge when you're around him. Um, You didn't want to share rooms with him, put it that way, because I don't think he ever slept. Um, He's uh, just a great guy. And Danny Butterfield at at Southampton is the funniest bloke I've met in my life. Um, What a character. Just so, so funny. Um, Always smiling. Always cracking a joke. Always taking the mickey out of himself um, and others. Um, so yeah he was you know brilliant then sort of people to have around the dressing or everything and even if you get players like that that don't play as much and they're in the squad they're great value you know they keep the team spirit high fans might look at it from the outside and think oh why is he in the squad still why is he getting another contract because he's just making people around him better and there's real value to that so them two were especially good at that
0: last question um Based on your career, the the, the ups, the downs, the red cards, the cheers, the boos, as you mentioned earlier on, what (laughs) advice would you give to any young players now?
1: Work as hard as you possibly can every day. Um, Learn from the more experienced pros. When you're a youngster, you don't tend to listen too much, but listen to what they're saying because they've been through what you're going to go through. They've had the real-life experience of what you're going to experience. And do you know what? Never give up on your dream. There's going to be moments in your career when it's not going to go for you. It's going to go against you. You feel as though you might have to drop down the leagues to come back up. But there's millions, thousands of examples of players dropping down and then making to the top. Jamie Vardy, for an example. So, you know, if you've got an ambition as being a professional footballer or getting to the Premier League, but like I did, that seemed a million miles away. It seemed like an ambition that was never going to come true, but never giving up and trying to improve every day. Every day. Every day in training so so important try and improve every day learn something new every day test yourself against the best players but if you've got a dream go for it don't let anyone stand in your way and learn as much as you possibly can to achieve that goal